I was very much, uh, I, I would say that it is kind of complicated now, but I, I grew up um, and I've always been someone of, you know, faith believing, but I, it probably wasn't until I was, uh, you know, much into adult years when I sort of had maybe a, a different interpretation of what that looks like. And it's actually one of my favorite subjects to uh, converse about and a lot of the lyrics that I write music deal with um, kind of separating uh, the faith from, you know, maybe some of the cultural aspects of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Springsteen train tonight, though he will come up as he normally does. And we are talking to uh, my new friend, Zeke, all about uh, music and his taste. And uh, this is part of our podcast uh artist month so zeke welcome to the show thank you very happy to be here thanks for having me yeah so tell us a little about yourself uh well you know i live in napa california (laughs) excuse me i work in the wine industry uh make a little wine on the side myself um but i that's kind of what i do in the day then at night i'm pretty much dedicated to music so i've got a couple of music projects um just recently released a new album uh kind of like a little a uh, synth pop album under the name Skylight Motion Picture. Uh, I also have like a an ambience neoclassical project called Radagast the Brown. Uh, and then by next year, I'll have uh, my debut for my, my debut hip hop project ready. But um, that's not till late next year. Okay, that's good. Now, what I remember you said that about the wine, but, you know, I there are certain cliches, I guess, that shouldn't be cliches. Like I live here in Dallas, Fort Worth, and my son and I roll our eyes every time, you know, sports like a sportscaster will come. They will shut. They will show, you know, Texas Longhorns. They'll show people in cowboy boots like this, the NBA, uh, Golden State Warriors, San Francisco. Right. They, they show, you know, um, the uh, Charles came in riding a horse and it's like, come on enough of the cliche so i was like oh napa valley i guess you get talked about all the time wine and you go i do work in wine so it's not a cliche at all <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true and you know we do know outside of california texas uh, tends to be the they're they're the uh biggest wine purchasers outside of california for napa valley wine so we, we love our texans too yeah we've done that a couple of times um we'll go down to austin uh, there is a wonderful uh, bourbon distillery that's in um, right outside of Austin called Garrison Brothers, and they do a great bourbon. They, you know, they they do a really nice. But there's several vineyards, and uh, you know, we'll do that. We'll go get some really good Tex-Mex or get some good barbecue, and do different vineyards. And it's it's really interesting. It's 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 a beautiful. Uh, we always love doing that, doing the tastings and just kind of exploring things. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, talk to me. I always like to start at the beginning, Zeke. Yeah. Where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to a lot of music when you were growing up? And if so, what kind? Yeah, so I, I grew up, um, I mean, I pretty much been up and down the West Coast my whole life, but I grew up in a town called Vacaville, California. Okay. Uh, kind of between Napa and Sacramento. And I had kind of a, an, uh, an odd mixture of music growing up compared to what I would say I listen to now. Um, but it was mostly from my mom's side. She was all about country music. Um, and then my dad's side, it was all about like uh, Christian rock music. Okay. So I grew up very much like in the scene of like 80s, 90s um, Christian rock. And, and just kind of with coming from the background that I did, that was that. 
you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny now, but I think about it now, like I still, whether I, you know, I like it or, or not, or I'm kind of like I cringe or not, I'm still heavily influenced by some of those early, uh, those early music uh, artists that I listened to growing up a lot. So, um, you know, and a lot of times, especially in the 80s and, and 90s too, it's like they were in, in, in the Christian music world, you have these uh, artists that kind of like sort of uh, they're of the time. They're basically doing a lot of the same styles as like the secular, but they're, you know, they just music with the message kind of thing. That was, I was super, super into that. And it wasn't until like junior high um, when I started kind of branching out into, uh, uh, you know, I realized that I had pretty eclectic tastes, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of world music. Uh, I got even into some like, like funny, like new age stuff, um, you know, and then eventually got into like uh, rock and hip hop. Um, probably in high school is when I first was really getting into uh, when I first joined my first rock band. Got into a lot of uh, rock music at the time. And then I was super into like techno and electronica. And that that probably was what I was listening to the most in my uh, in my youth. But I take it your father was a man of faith. Yes. And, and so did you. Did you follow in his footsteps? Did um, did you rebel? You know what? I was um, I was very much. Uh, I, I would say that it is kind of complicated now. But I I grew up um, and I've always been someone of you know faith believing. But I, it probably wasn't until I was uh, you know much into adult years when I sort of had maybe a, a different interpretation of what that looks like. And that's actually one of my favorite subjects to uh, converse about. And a lot of the lyrics that I write music deal with um, kind of separating uh, the faith from, you know, maybe some of the cultural aspects of it. Yeah. uh, The reason I ask is I was raised Southern Baptist and um, you know, so music was a big part of, you know, I sang in the church choir I, um, you know, every once in a while would, you know, perform at a Sunday, you know, service. Uh, I can remember we would have, you know, sing-alongs at the church where, you know, people would come and, you know, I, my, my first experience when bluegrass was a, you know, a gospel bluegrass, you know, playing, you know, a lot of gospel music, you know, I'll fly away and other, you know, uh, these songs. So, um, you know, I have a lot of very um, great memories. And in fact, you know, several years ago now, but when Alan Jackson put out a couple of those CDs that were, yeah. you know, hymns, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the music I grew up with. You know, mm-hmm. this is uh, my music. And and I, I actually have, uh, you know, I have a playlist of different, um, different artists that uh, when I'm feeling spiritual, you know, I call it my belief uh, soundtrack that has, you know, some of the people and some of the bands that I enjoy. Um, I, I, I like you, I, I've had a complicated, you know, journey of faith and, and um, at least it sounds like you've had that. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, yeah, I, I find that it, it is that there is a lot of things, especially in modern days, the politics of religion can get very disheartening. Yeah. Don't yeah, really have a question there, but just your comments. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. And, and it's, um, you know, sometimes the, the, the politics and the, the cultural uh, attitudes, I think maybe within those, um, you know, subsects that can really kind of cause us to sort of maybe reposition or reinterpret our own, um, you know, our, our own faith really. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, and it, it, it growing up for me, it was all intertwined. It was me, even though it wasn't maybe, um, oh, super overt in terms of like, we didn't verbalize, um, so much, but be, be, because that culture and everyone I grew up with, like that was, it, it was, it was, it might as well have been one of the same. Yeah. In fact, you know, one of the things that was very, was part of my journey is 
you know, my family, you know, were like, you have a sip of wine, the next step, you are going to be in the gutter. You know, they, they didn't, you're a bum. They didn't call it homeless then because they didn't use that term, but right. Like it was one sip of beer, the next step you're in the gutter homeless, you know, and it was very, um, so growing up, I was, I, I, I did not do a lot of social drinking period. I, I didn't drink. And, um, my wife who was raised Catholic on the other hand, you know, had, in fact, when we first started dating, she did not trust me because I didn't drink. She was like, what, what kind of weird guy? Though she very quickly realized, oh, wait a minute, I have a built-in designated driver. This may work. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So I still think, you know, one of my favorite, we, we go um, every few years, we'll go to Kentucky for the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And uh, it's one of my favorite vacations. And she laughs because, you know, I smell the bourbon or or the wine tasting. I smell the wine, maybe take a sip and then give it to her. You know, so that's that's neat. I'm going to get to music, but I'm curious. What what are things that people misunderstand about the wine industry? What is the question you get that people you roll your eyes and go, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about this again. You know, one I'll tell you that it's not, um, it's not meant to be uh, a snobby thing or it's not meant to yeah. be elite. Um, I just came back from France, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks and did a lot of wine tasting out there and yeah. um, you know, and it's, it's interesting because sometimes just working in, in, you know, nap every day uh, we see from, you know, folks from all over the world, um, and for a lot of folks, wine tasting and going out to wineries can be intimidating. Um, and so I know I'm, I'm, I work for a place that we, we do sell some pretty, our wines are, you know, considered pretty high end. Um, but there's a conscious effort to make it approachable and welcoming to everybody. Um, and I think, I do think most places they're, 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 you know, maybe with varying success, but I think that there's an attempt to, to do that because, um, you know, also like wine tasting is out here and just even more so than like 10 years ago, it's very expensive. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to be super formal. Uh, right. It doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, if you're, you have to taste certain things in wine, uh, maybe what the descriptors say, what they suggest. And if you don't taste it, that you're uh, not tasting it right. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it really is just about, you know, do you like it or not? And you know, you like what you like. And, and, you know, sometimes uh, discovery is the funnest part, I think, is when you get to, you know, you do it enough and eventually some of the, the things that you think you don't like, maybe you just didn't find the right one. You know, if you, don't, if you think you don't like Chardonnay, yeah. you know, maybe you think they're like, oh, they're too buttery and they're too uh, rich, but then all of a sudden you taste one that has not been fermented in new oak barrels or gone through a secondary fermentation process um that you get a much leaner crystal style and so sometimes i always it's kind of like dating you know there's there's uh there's plenty in the sea and, and you can't just give up uh, after just trying to feel you know zeke i think one of the cool things and i i i have certainly gone um where you've gone like when you go get a flight of wines or you know a flight of bourbon you know depending on the price range it could be a little uh, expensive, but a lot of times the person who's hosting the tasting actually, you know, it, it becomes entertainment, you know, and, and I do love that, you know, they'll go, you know, what do you, you know, they'll go through the experience of, okay, this is how, you know, taste it here. You do it. What are you tasting? What are you feeling? And, you know, and everyone's palate is different, right? So there isn't a necessarily, oh, well, if you're not, as you mentioned, if you're not tasting cherries, uh, you, you know, bop, you missed the test. No, no, it's just, it's really, truly what your taste buds uh, pick up. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I tell people too, if you have the palate for beer, you like beers, you like microbreweries, or you have a palate for um, high-end spirits, or if you've got a palate for, you know, really, like, good, like, you know, 
you know, good food, um, then you got to pout for wine and you just don't know it yet. You just got to, it's all about just kind of throwing yourself out there. And, and, uh, you know, I probably learned most about wine probably just from shopping at Trader Joe's and putting together a random six pack of based off like what the labels look like. Um, because like, you know, red wine, for instance, I, I, I knew that Pinot Noir and Zinfandel and Merlot, they're different grape varietals, but to me, red wine is red wine. So I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what the, you know, the actual difference at the sensory level is until, you know, you know, for me, it was literally just kept buying them. And then you start discovering patterns about when you buy certain wines and you buy Pinot Noirs and, you're, and you buy enough of them, and you start seeing that they're a little bit lighter, uh, a little more nuanced than, you know, Zinfandels are going to be kind of like spicy and fruit forward. And, um, you know, so the, so the discovery part is, I, I always think I, I'm not an auditory learner or visual learner at best. I'm, I'm, uh, I need to immerse myself into it. I need to touch it and feel it. I need to roll around in it. I need yeah. to, make, you know, and then that's, that's how I learn best is just by immer- immersion. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I do think, right, that um, just like, um, and I know I keep bringing up bourbon, but that's just, you know, it's a common thing. There are really um, very good, you know, sipping bourbons that are not, you know, $300 a bottle. There are good bourbons and same thing, right? There are good wines. Absolutely. There's expensive wine, but there is very drinkable and really high quality wines in that mid range. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Well, cool. Well, that sounds really nice. All right. So let's flip over to music. When did you, you know, you've kind of talked about, you've, you've discovered rock, you've discovered hip hop, you, you have a core, you know, of, uh, you know, uh, spiritual music, you know, of, of contemporary Christian music. When did you decide that you needed to create music yourself? Um, you know, as long as I've been playing the piano, uh, so probably since I was a, a toddler, really. Really? Um, really? Yeah. And I, I grew up and I loved just kind of doodling around. And then I think it was in first grade, the first time I tried to do piano lessons. Um, I tried it two times when I was younger and I just couldn't really get into it because, you know, it was all about learning songs. And, and, and to me, it felt like homework. And I just wanted wanted to write my own songs and and you know but instead i'm having to learn how to play she'll be coming around the mountain um so you know for me i never got too far in terms of like um uh being able to read music um but i knew early on that that was something that i love to do and then you know probably just because i did i definitely even though there wasn't a lot of different genres i did listen to a lot of music and constantly would put on uh vinyl records uh, I'd listen to tapes and just be in headphones all day. And I got to the point to where, and I'm still like this as an adult, most of the time I'm, I'm around, I have headphones and, and I, um, because also I, music, it not only like soothes me, but it helps me focus, um, you know, cause that can get a little ADHD. So if I have some music kind of keeping, you know, um, it, it just helps me get through things, uh, you know, more efficiently. Do do you, can you remember some of your first songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I can. And they're, they were very simple, uh, simple little songs. And I remember even from the elementary school talent shows, I would always, uh, you know, I'd play them. Um, and it was, you know, at the time they were just, I didn't start actually like putting words to songs, uh, you know, probably until like high school. Okay. Um, Sorry, I think a little bit of it. I think that delay might be back. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just going to keep you out. Just cut, cut me off if I'm, um, if I'm running behind. But yeah, so I would say it was, it was really, I'm, I'm very much more music driven than, than, than lyric driven for the most part. But, um, it, you know, at some point I know I wanted to be able to bring, um, something that was maybe less uh interpretive um but I, i'm still into in- instrumental stuff the most my um the the, the project that i'm probably most passionate about is it's in the music i listen to the most is is, lot, is is more like ambient music um and a lot of that uh, instrumental stuff you guys you 
you don't have to worry about the intrusion of lyrics in terms of like dictating the meaning of the songs. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Brian Eno. And I know that was one of his, uh, how he used to articulate uh, coming out with the ambient music that he had, which was that uh, the words were intrusive. Um, and with when it's instrumental, you can kind of sort of, I, I always think of this kind of like a Stanley Kubrick film. There's many layers to go back. And if you want just something on the surface level, it's available. But if you want to get in the super fancy headphones and like hear all the different textures, um, you know, you can you can do that too. Okay. I I we I think we have a little bit of bandwidth issue. So I'm gonna let's there's the echo. I'm gonna turn off our video to see if that helps our bandwidth. Okay. Sometimes the internet is Sometimes not our friend. The There's the friend. delay again. There's the delay again. Right. Well, I do. I, I can hear you just fine. Okay, that's not good. Okay, All right. That's not good. When I edit this, this may be so a wrong. Yeah, go ahead and turn off your video. Let's see. Let's try yeah, this. Let's, see. let's try this. All right. Um, so you feel more comfortable writing the melodies than you do the lyrics? Yeah, you know, it's just it's the first thing that pops in in my head. The lyrics are always the, the last part. Um, and, and it's funny because I can, the, the first uh, musical part that comes to my head is usually the vocal. So I always have to hear the vocal melody first off before I flesh everything else out. Um, but then it's, it's putting the lyrics into the melody. That is, you know, it's usually the, the last step. Do you like, do you write with other people or is it most of music a solo writing is a solo effort? You know, I actually, I actually enjoy more writing with other people. Um, usually because I think that uh, I, I, other people, it's, it's, it's when it's more collaborative, the, the, the sum of the parts ends up being greater um, than, you know, the parts on their own. Um, but I have the, the project that I, that I uh, write for a Scully Motion Picture, it's kind of fluid. So it started out as a band. Um, then I had some, you know, some members, some moved and, um, and so then because I do, I, I, I tend to write most of the music and the lyrics anyways, I just kind of kept it going. So the last release is kind of, you know, um, it's maybe a little less collaborative. I still have, uh, other folks kind of play on some parts and stuff, but, um, I keep it kind of fluid, but I, I, I prefer it more when it's, a uh, like a band. So talk to me about Skylight Motion Picture, which, of course, sounds like a film or a production company. So tell me about this. Tell me what, what, what were your origins and, and just tell me a little bit about y'all's latest release. Yeah. Yeah. So Skylight Motion Picture, I've had some um, some some feedback from from uh, folks that are in the industry that have said that I should change the name. Um, and especially with the last release, because the last release is uh, called Music from the Film. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes with the, with the, the criticism of being that it sounds like it's a, a film soundtrack um, and not like a, a band or an album name. And the thing is, that's kind of exactly what I was aiming for, because I'm, you know, probably maybe even more than music. I nerd out on film and cinema and the history of film. Um, and so... You know, when I think about my favorite movies, the music is such a huge part of why I love that film, because it really I think of it as, as it is like the voice of the film. Um, and so when I came up with the name Scotty Motion Picture, I, I, you know, it, it does indicate what I love, which is cinema. Um, but also I thought of the idea of like the dreams, the movies we play in our minds. Um, it to me is almost kind of like laying back and, you know, watching the, uh, the world through a skylight. Um, and, uh, but, you know, really, yeah, it's, 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 so to me, it's kind of sort of hints at the imagination and sort of our dreams that we have kind of playing out like films in our minds. Um, so Zeke, you mentioned favorite film. Who, what, what is, 
what is that film you're or is it a specific film or just other fil- a, a kind of collection of films you know I've, I've got like probably top fives for all genres but if we get the video back on i'm randomly wearing a t-shirt of my favorite film of all time and it's the uh um uh, it's been her the the charlton heston the okay <laughs> nice um yeah. you know i did an episode um last year where uh, a friend a friend of mine who's a big aaron sorkin fan like myself we oh. picked our, each our top five musical moments from aaron sorkin tv shows uh and we have done i have done episodes where i've done you know um you know favorite musical soundtracks and and other you know musical moments of, of film because it is there is a um, in fact, one of the things that um, a lot of fans of Springsteen will say is that his, you know, his very visual, you know, that there is a theme to his music and some of them are very theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're thinking about this vision, you're thinking about stories. Talk a little bit about this. What, what, Give me a couple examples of, of songs and stories that you're sharing. Yeah, well, you know, I, um, with the latest release that just came out uh, a couple months ago, it's called Music from the Film. Um, and it is a little bit of a departure stylistically from the two previous releases. Um, and I like I liked the idea of um, not making the same album twice, you know, kind of um, sure. giving something like that's got some different flavoring with each one. Um, and so this newest one is less, I would say, 80s influenced uh, as the previous um, records. Um, this one's kind of more influenced by the music that, you know, back when I was in the, the, the pinnacle of my uh, music, you know, I, I was hungry for music discoveries and looking for new bands. And it was, you know, late high school, early college years. Um, so I would say a lot of the influence from the most recent album comes from you know, groups like the Postal Service, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, some of the some of the alternative rock bands that made up, uh, I guess you could call it third generation uh, emo, but bands like um, Jimmy Eat World and Copeland um, and uh, Death Cab for Cutie uh, was what I listened to a lot in that time frame. So the whole idea was wanting to make a record that had, um, you know, a bit more of those emotional quality to it uh both you know the, in the lyrics and musically as well so um i would say the two main themes on this album one is kind of uh uh dealing with um you know a relationship with god that doesn't fit uh you know the culture that you know that you know one only saw through that lens um so it's basically you know with that and then the other one is uh kind of what do you do um, right on the right after you've had your heart broken for the first time and um, you were not really prepared for it. So mm-hmm. it's odd two themes, but um, you know, every song you can really count up to that. There are, there are two cover songs. I don't normally do covers, but there are two cover songs. So outside of those two covers, that's pretty much what the songs are about. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Um, do you, What's next? What do you want to do next? Well, I am hoping to really kind of build, um, you know, a live band back together just because I get really excited about the production. Um, and because I do have so many other projects, I'm always kind of, um, you know, a little ADHD with it. And, um, you know, but I never get bored. If I get uh, sort of burnt out on one project, I got another one that's totally different that I could throw myself into. Um, but as far as for Sky Motion Picture, I'm really wanting to try to play live again. Um, and there hasn't been too many shows in the last couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, most of the time it's been, uh, you know, more of a solo effort and playing with backing tracks, but that's just not as fun. You can't really put on like a super energetic live show when, um, you know, when it's, when it's done like that, in my opinion. You know, um, so Zeke, what I thought was really interesting is I've had, I've had different artists join me and I'll talk about, you know, how do you promote a new 
release a new CD during a pandemic, right? Especially if you're a singer songwriter, right? Because normally what you do, you show up, you know, you get booked at a gig, you're at a little bar or you're at a festival, you play your songs. Then afterwards you go to the little table, you got your little CDs and you go, oh, I hope I sell enough to get the a tank of gas for the next, you know, trip. And when you can't do that, it makes it tough. Oh yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's, it's been, um, you know, I know it's a reflection of the industry. Um, yeah. And uh, as far as like now with the internet, you basically, you can, you know, self-produce yeah. uh, or work with producers um, <clears throat> uh, virtually. And now it's all about um, getting, uh, you know, how, how many um, plays can you get on Spotify and yeah. how many people can like your social media page. Um, I had a, I had an internship, Gosh, I want to say back in 2007 with a with an indie record label that I really really liked, um, and it was sort of the cusp of, you know, when I saw the the industry changing, and you know, a lot of those smaller indie labels went out of business, um, including the one I worked for. Yeah, uh, I saw that when the last artist they signed was a teenager um, who was putting out a few songs, but he had a ton of um, uh, MySpace friends, like MySpace followers. Yeah. Um, and solely because of his reach there, um, they, they, they signed him. And, you know, he, uh, he, I don't think that artist is, you know, they never really got big or anything like that, but he got a record deal just because of how many, um, you know, MySpace followers. He wow. Had. Yeah. So that was the first time I thought like, wow. You don't even have to be, it's not really based on merit in terms of getting record label, you know, record deals and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, it, it sounds like you're, and I'll, you can expand on this. It sounds like you are missing live performances a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I am, I, I definitely have always been a performer. Um, and I, yeah. and I enjoy it. Um, but I also know that it's necessary. There's, I, I can, I can come out with the record I really like. I can spend a lot of money to make it sound all shiny and polished. Um, but if you want, you know, more than just like your your friends and family to support you and to, you know, be able to expand your reach, I mean, you have. I, I feel like most people, you have to be able to play live and 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 you have to be able to generate yeah a, a new audience organically. Um, so I know that's part of why I want to get back out there is because I mean, I could be really happy just sitting behind all my instruments and producing and putting stuff out. Um, but performing is a kind of a, it's more of a different thrill. Uh, but also it's, it's, it's an intricate part of building your business. If, if you're treating it like a business. Yeah. Do um, where do you, when you perform, where do you, where do you like to perform? Is there a, is there a, a venue that you've, you've enjoyed going to? You know, there has been, um, you know, probably as far as with this project, I, I usually just kind of have played it. We've got a couple of local um, uh, music venues here. And then we've got a, we, we've got a couple of local, like smaller ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that are, you know, we've got like a, a wine, there's a, there's a wine tasting room that also has a music studio and then they have a small stage. Okay. Um, so there, there's definitely places to play, but some of my favorite venues, one actually it's, it's no longer around, but the one that I grew up in, uh, in, in cause I grew up in Vacaville, California, we're mostly known for uh, being the hometown of the band Papa Roach. Okay. Uh, and sort of the, the venue where, at the time I grew up, there were a lot of famous bands that played in Vacaville and it was at the Three Oaks Community Center. Um, and it was a, a place that really kind of was sort of my my venue for discovery of the local music scene and the whole DIY culture um, that you mostly got through a lot of punk bands and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and metal bands. Um, and so just being able to play um, on that stage with some bands that, you know, ended up getting famous and uh, bands that I really loved and were, you know, really respected was, was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that was, you know, obviously very, very, like from, very personal because that was like a home, you know, from my hometown, but I also loved you know, uh, playing on the West coast, the Hawthorne theater in Portland um, had some great times there uh, brick by brick. 
in uh, San Diego, California. Uh, and then one small one that's no longer around. It was a place in um, Vancouver, Washington called uh, Pop Culture. And it was an 18, uh, it was an all ages music venue. And they had, I want to say it's like 500 different sodas. Uh, so it was like a big soda bar. Wow. Uh, and all these like micro, you know, you know, smaller companies. And, and uh, not only was the sound really great there and, and you got a great audience because it's mostly younger people and, you know, they're going to bring a lot of enthusiasm. Um, but I just thought the whole concept was cool. I'm really bummed to hear that. They, I think they ended up closing it uh, a few years back. Yeah, that that does that is sad. Uh, that sounds like a fun place. Um, Zeke, where where can people find your music? Where what's the best way to support you and your music? You know, anywhere that they currently get the music, you can okay. find um, Skylight Motion Picture. You can find Radagast the Brown, um, and you'll see them on you know uh, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or Amazon Music or yeah. YouTube. Um, it'll be on all of them. Yeah. And I'll include a link. You, you've sent a really nice link that had all the difference and I'll include that in the show notes. Um, you, you talked about, you've got a project that you're hoping to do in the future. Uh, before I let you go, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, um, so I've got most of the tracks done. I, I, um, what I basically do is, is handle the production and then I work with different um, MCs from the U.S., from Canada. Um, and, and the style of, of beats, I guess you could say, that I make is uh, I probably think of it more just because my, my influences are more on that East Coast style. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing I love about this hip hop project is no other genre allows me to pay homage to um, the, the music and the film and the things that I love. And I, and I intentionally take samples that are from early audible memories. So whether they're like, you know, commercials from the 1980s or old cartoon theme songs or, um, uh, you know, what I like to do is kind of make a mosaic and I'll, and I'll take them and I'll incorporate them. Um, and because I grew up the way they did, so there, there'll be a lot you might, you know, it might be from like a Christian children's cartoon. But then I've repackaged it. So, so now it sounds kind of badass because you got this like, you know, this this thumping bass and this beat. And it's just kind of, um, you know, and I'll compose some music, musical stuff around it. And so it's it's fun for me because it's very, um, you know, every sound in there is is put in there intentionally. Um, and it's just kind of a fun way to, uh, you know, at least for me, sort of celebrate those um, those those early years. Oh, that that sounds a lot of fun um all right what should i have asked you that i didn't hmm. um ooh, that's a good question you know what i've never even thought about that but I, that's a good question you know well, what? while you're thinking i'll tell you the reason why i asked that i had a guy on once and uh we had a really good discussion and then after we hung up you know, after we had, I stopped recording, he said, Hey, next time I'm on, let me tell you about the time I got drunk with the E Street band. And I'm like, what, <laughs> how, how do you bury that lead? So, um, so I always like, Oh, wait a minute. So, uh, yeah. Um, did, just wanting to make sure like you didn't, you know, get drunk with, uh, you know, uh, or go out and, you know, Oh yeah. I didn't tell you when I opened for, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> um gosh there are there there are definitely quite a fun um a, a few fun stories um but i would say if, let me see, if we want to keep it in the music realm you know what one of my favorite musical experiences was um i got to go to this uh small small intimate concert my one of my favorite songwriters, a guy named Jeremy Enoch, who used to uh, he fronts the band Sunny Day Real Estate. Okay, uh, and uh, he was playing this small show in Sacramento, California, um, maybe like thirty people. And I got to go in, and uh, I, I was bringing in. It was, they they had a you could bring your own booze if you want. Um, oh. So I brought in uh, a uh, one of the most famous Merlots from the Napa Valley, it's from this producer called Duckhorn. Um, and so I brought this wine in, in my head, joking with my, with my brother thinking that, uh, Oh, I'm going to just going to share this, uh, with Jeremy. 
Um, and when I walked into this, it wasn't even a real venue. It was more like a, it looked like a giant studio, music studio. Right. The first people that's standing at the door when I walk in. Um, and I was just surprised. I'd seen them live a couple of times, but this is one of my biggest like songwriter influences. Uh, so I stumbled a bit, but after the show, he hung around and I got to, uh, enjoy, I, I, I poured him a glass of wine and we got to kind of hang out, um, and it was just so surreal because, you know, everybody in my family really were all big fans of his music and have listened to it for so long to actually be sitting there having a glass of wine and, and trying to, without, you know, sounding too, over, you know, over the top or too overwhelming, um, but trying to communicate just how, you know, um, the depth of his uh, influence with his, with, his, with his songwriting and his music and how it impacted myself and my family. And, and uh, so that was just a, a wonderful, surreal moment. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, who are, you mentioned a little bit, who are some of your influences? You know, I would say uh, I'm really into, uh, as far as like modern day influences, M83 is a big one. Um, I, I followed M83 back to when it was just, it was two guys doing instrumental, you know, keyboard music. Uh, yeah. to now it's um you know this sort of uh anthemic you know it's like dream pop on steroids uh mm-hmm. and i always tell people too if you if you everybody's heard of them 83 even if you don't realize they have because they had this song midnight city that was in so many movies and commercials and tv shows usually uh played for someone if they don't think they know it and within the first three seconds like oh yeah I know you go, oh yeah that song <laughs> Yeah, so M83, um, you know, Churches is kind of an, another more modern band that we get some similar comparisons to that I really like. Um, you know, some of the older ones, though, uh, you know, I, as far as kind of considering, again, how I grew up, Michael W. Smith is a big, uh, is definitely a big influence for me. Um, sure. 90s era, the Garmin with Key, um, another, another uh, you know, sort of Christian rock group. Um, but then, you know, I mostly listen to because nowadays since I listen to ambient music and I listen to a lot of post-rock music, uh, it doesn't always, it's not always the most obvious, but the band Sigaros, um, I've been a huge, huge fan since discovering them from, um, cause they had a couple of songs in that movie, Vanilla Sky. Uh, so kind of back before they were as big as they are now. Um, but Sigaros definitely is maybe one of the most, uh, the biggest influences that maybe isn't quite as, um, you know, noticeable upon the first listen. Okay. And um, any um, any drives down the E Street Nation with Bruce Springsteen? Any thoughts or feelings? Yes, yes. I, I, so I own a couple of records, um, uh, you know, and I know it might be kind of cliche, but Born, Born in the USA is definitely my favorite, um, you know, because I also, I'm being, being really into the 80s. Uh, sure. I get some of those. 80s vibes, the first Springsteen songs I knew were from that record. Um, that's one where I can listen to front to back, and I love every single song. Um, you know, I, I do, I have the Born to Run record, and I know you did ask the uh, the question, you wanted to know if, if uh, does Mary get in the car? Yes, we will end that with the, I end every episode with that question. Okay. So I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. You know, I, I, I think, I think sometimes, um hardcore fans tend to dismiss born in the usa um, but it is a gateway album for a lot of springsteen fans and uh you know a few years ago jason isbell and a bunch of other um independent artists not that jason isbell is that independent but they did a cover of everything on a born in the usa kind of an americana style which was a really fun cd um dead man's town is uh, what it was called so very nice um all right so uh, i'm gonna include a link where they can find your music um included that is also it looks like you're on all social media i did not see a twitter link are you on twitter you know i do have a twitter link i I, uh i've not been quite as active as i should be it's very it's just um uh at skylight motion Okay. All right. Good. All right. Um, let's, uh, I, if you are a fan of, uh, 
Zeeks, uh, thank you for joining and listening. He made you guys proud. Um, so I end every episode with the Mary question. So give you a little background. Jay Armstrong is a honors English teacher uh, in the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired. Um, but when he was teaching, he would take his honors English class and they would spend two days breaking apart the song Thunder Road. They would look at the imagery Bruce uses. They would look at the lyrics. They would talk about the themes of the song. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So that is your question, my friend. Does Mary get in the car? Well, so I didn't want to cheat and like try to do any kind of uh, Google, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to hear anybody else's take on it. Um, okay. But I'm going to say that she does get in the car and I'm basing this solely, not be, the lyrics to me, the, the lyrics are the lyrics, but I'm basing it's, you know, and, and, and I think they're left to be, you know, uh, interpretive in that sense. So I'm kind of taking my cues from the music. Um, okay. From, Tell me a little bit more what you mean. So I mean by the actual, the, the actual chord progressions, the sounds, uh, the influx of, of uh, Springsteen's voice uh, when he's feeling impassioned on the song. Um, and to me, it all um, suggests that there is, uh, uh, like the, the, the music to me sounds more uplifting, more, more positive. And because of the moment uh, of passion, um, I tend to think that the scales kind of weigh more on the side towards of what the, you know, what the author wants and like he's, he's selling, he's making his case. Uh, and so based off that, based off the, uh, um, uh, the musical lifts, the, uh, the song itself to me, just, it has a, a, a positive sounding nature to it. So uh, I'm kind of going to use that as, as the sell, selling point to that. She does get in the car. I, I think that is a great answer. Um, that's, I, I had a guy tell me once, similar to you, he said it depends. He said if it's the E Street band playing it, she absolutely gets in the car because that triumphant end with the band playing him off. But when it's Bruce Solo, she doesn't get in the car. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for homework, you could, if you YouTube the band and then watch him doing it solo, he said, you know, when he's solo, he kind of ends this, na, 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 you know, and it's kind of him driving off, uh, rejected and, uh, but still ready to make his life. Um, this was a blast. Thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate that we got to talk a little bit about, um, spirituality. We got to talk about a lot of music. We could talk about wine. This was a blast. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everyone go check out the links that are in the show. Uh, check out Zeke's music. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I think it's a really fun. I've sampled a little bit of uh, the, um, a little bit of Skylight Motion Pictures music, and I think it's worth listening to. So you guys check it out. Uh, any final thoughts, Zeke? Well, first off, you know, if you ever do come out to Napa Valley, you got someone on the inside, so you'll definitely have to. Uh, I love it. Coming out so I can get you set up with some some fun tastings. Um, and then just thank you for having me on. Thank you for I know I came, uh, I got in a little bit late, so I appreciate your grace. Um, and just uh, delighted to, to know you and, and to keep following you uh, in your podcast and um, hear some, you know, some uh, other uh, cool artists. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That is very kind. Um, listeners, go. Um, don't be afraid of wine tastings. Check it out. Right. You, you just heard Zeke today that uh you know and you're it, it's there it's ready for you to be enjoyed and check out his music in the meantime go get vaccinated go get boosted and let's all be kind to each other because that's how we're going to get through all of this thank you zeke thank you listeners we'll talk to you soon goodbye doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation and i hate that so please let me know what you like and don't like about the work i'm doing you can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. 
The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening, Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.